from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 1 to 27. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the, of the same Spirit, to, a, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable and treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Today's second reading is from the book of Revelation, 
chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Well, good morning. My name's Scott. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time today, I just want to add my welcome uh, as well to Kerry's. Well, uh, have you ever heard uh, the story about the two Irishmen who worked at a sawmill? Well, uh, Connor and Paddy, they were good mates, and uh, uh, Connor was pretty careful, but Paddy was a little on the clumsy side. And uh, one day, poor old Paddy was feeding some timber through the mill, and he slipped and he chopped off his hand. So Connor, being the mate that he was, he grabs his mate, uh, grabs the hand, chucks it in a bag, chucks Paddy in the car, rushes him off to hospital. Anyway, Paddy goes into the theatre and he's in there for about an hour and after about an hour, the surgeon comes out and, and Connor says, well, how is it, Doc? Is he going to be all right? And the doctor says, yeah, well, look, you know, with all the wonders of modern medicine, you know, we've been able to reattach his hand and in about a month he'll be good as new and he'll be back at the sawmill. So, oh, that's great, Doc. Thanks, Doc, said Connor. And sure enough, about a month later, uh, Paddy's back at work. And uh, things go well for a few days until poor old Paddy slips and this time he, he really does it this time and he sticks his leg through the saw. So Connor comes along, he, he quickly grabs his leg, chucks it in a bag, he chucks Paddy in the car, rushes him off to hospital and, you know, he's pacing outside the surgery and this time it's about, about three hours. He's starting to get worried and then the doctor comes out and he says, Doc, Doc, how did it go? Oh, look, he's, with all the wonders of modern medicine, you know, we've been able to reattach his leg and probably about three months he'll be back at the sawmill, no dramas. Sure enough, three months later, there's Paddy, right as rain, joking, playing, hard at work and uh, this time... This time, Paddy slips and he cuts his head off. And so Connor, he quickly, he grabs his mate, he does all the same things, chucks him in the car and he rushes him to the hospital and he's outside the surgery and it's getting to be quite late. He's been there for six hours and Connor's starting to really worry about his mate Paddy. And uh, anyway, after six and a half hours, the doctor comes out shaking his head. And Connor says, what's wrong, Doc? Is he okay? Will he be okay? He says, oh, I'm sorry, we couldn't save him. He said, well, why not, Doc? You know, the wonders of modern medicine. You put his hand back on and his leg back on and couldn't you have fixed him up? The doctor says, well, we could have saved him. But some idiot put his head in a plastic bag and he suffocated. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying that you don't need to belong to church to be a Christian. Has anyone ever heard someone say something like that? You know, I can be a Christian without having to belong to church. But it's a little bit like saying you can be a finger that doesn't need a body or a leg but not belong to a body. See, a finger in a bag is still a finger, isn't it? But if it's not attached to a body, it doesn't take very long 
until it's stinky and rotten and shriveled up. A finger on its own, apart, amputated, cut off from the body, is pretty useless. It can't do anything. No, a body part needs a body because on its own, it's cut off, it's useless, might even suffocate. See, a disciple of Jesus does need to belong to God's church. A disciple of Jesus does need to be part of a local church, does need to gather with God's people. We need each other. We need each other, just like a finger or a leg or a head needs to belong to a body. See, the church is actually not just something that is sort of tacked on the side of being saved or tacked on the side of being a disciple. The church is actually the whole thing that we are saved for. The church is actually the reason God saved us. It's actually the purpose for which he has made us his people. So I don't know if you noticed, but God's plan was never actually about individuals. You look all throughout the scriptures, and even when God calls individuals, he's calling them for the sake of building a people. Jesus didn't die to save people to be individuals. He died to purify a people. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And Jesus, while he's speaking to Peter, he makes a promise that on the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the promised King, the Lord, the Saviour. On that confession, Jesus said, I will build my church. He doesn't just say, I will build many, many individuals. No, Jesus is building a church, a gathering, a body, a fellowship. And it's been like that right from the beginning. Now, does it, do you know what the word church literally means, what the, you know, the literal translation of church is? It was actually quite a common word uh, back in Jesus' day before it became kind of an exclusively Christian word. Anyone know what it means? Yes. Yeah, thanks, Jim. No, good one. Well, actually, before it kind of became attached to Christian believers, church just meant gathering. And so any time you had any kind of meeting with anyone else, it was a church, a gathering. And so you'd have your football church and you'd have your, you know, your um, local uh, community group church and your neighbourhood watch church and they're gatherings. And so the Christian church is the Christian gathering the Christian community that God has gathered. And, you know, this is always what God has been doing from day one, is gathering a people. Cast your mind right back to the very beginning of history. While mankind, from the very day one, God said, go and fill the earth, multiply, and then sin scattered us, sin divided us and separated us in a way that we were not supposed to be separated. And yet, 
God chose one man, Abraham. He didn't choose one man, Abraham, to be his person. He chose Abraham to be the father of his people. Actually, the father not just of one nation, but of many nations gathered together as one people. See, God wasn't just saving Abram for himself. Through Abram, God was saving a people. And regularly throughout Israel's history, we see that God's people, Israel, who came from Abraham, God constantly gathered them together. There were several points throughout every calendar year when Israel gathered as God's people, not just God's people spread throughout the land, but God's people who were in the habit of gathering together, who gathered every weekend around God's word. But then when Israel was scattered far and wide throughout the nations because of their sin, God made a promise to bring his people back, to gather from the four corners of the earth his people and bring them back together as a people. Fast forward from Israel to Jesus. And when Jesus arrived, he sent his disciples out on a mission a mission to gather people from all tribes and tongues and language, just as God had promised. Hear this from Isaiah chapter 49, written 700 years before Jesus, about Jesus. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Israel back to him and to gather Israel to himself. The Lord says, It is too small a thing for you, Jesus, to be my servant just to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel that I've kept. In other words, it's not a big enough thing. It's not a big enough gathering just to gather the people who are related and descended from Abraham. No, God said, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, for the non-Israelites throughout all the world, so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. In Jesus, God is gathering a people from all nations. And you know, that's not something that just happens now. That's actually what we're moving towards at the end of time. And that's what our second reading was about. Have a look there at your second reading from Revelation chapter 7 that Duncan read to us. This is a picture of at the end of all history... When Jesus returns and brings God's plan into final completion, where he gathers all of God's people together to praise in one voice. Have a look, verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. See, God is the God who gathers. When he saves people, he saves us into a church, into a body, the body that he is building that will endure for all of eternity. And because we are the gathering, the people that God has gathered, we naturally express that by continuing to gather regularly, don't we? We are God's gathered people and so we do what gathered people do, we gather and we gather around Jesus. 
And so church isn't an optional extra for a Christian. It's not something that you can just tack on the side. It's not an afterthought that God thought, oh, okay, now I've saved people, what am I going to do? Oh, I know what, I'll kind of put them together so they can help each other. No, actually, the church, the church that we belong to is that same church which when Jesus comes back will be purified and will continue for all eternity. Now, church isn't just some temporary thing. It's not just pragmatic. It's actually the goal and purpose for why Jesus came to build his church. And so if you belong to Jesus, you belong to his body, his church. And if you try and exist and survive outside of his church, you won't grow, you won't survive. You won't be able to do what God created you to do because actually so much of what God's created us to do as his people happens within the church. Now, I know that um, the past couple of years have been a really hard time for everyone, haven't they? Uh, The COVID struggle has just sort of cut a lot of things of life off, if only for a time. And we all know what it's like, you know, if you're an exerciser and then suddenly you stop exercising for a week, it's so much harder to get back into exercising, isn't it? You know, you know it's good for you, you know you need to do it, you want to do it, you know that afterwards you'll feel good and you'll benefit from it, but... You know, when you've had that time when you haven't done it, the longer that time is, the harder it is to get back in. And maybe for you, uh, the interruption to church that we've had during various lockdowns, and maybe it's just made it easier for you to drift away. You know, it's nice sleeping on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Really nice. It's nice not having to get all the kids and the family dressed and ready for that, you know, the umpteenth time this week, get everyone out the door to church. Maybe you've been finding yourself wondering, what does it really matter? Does it really matter if I'm at church, part of church, gathering with God's people? Maybe you feel like all the rest of us do, of, oh man, growth groups on Zoom, I just cannot sign into another Zoom meeting. It's hard. It's less than ideal. But I just want to encourage you that we need the church. We are part of a body and we cannot do what God has functioned us to do. We cannot thrive and survive on our own. We need each other. We need to gather as God's people. Now, it could be actually that the people who most need to hear this sermon are not here. And so maybe there's a brother or a sister you have in mind who you need to get in touch with this week. Maybe you could open these scriptures and read with them and just say, hey, look, I was really convicted by this on the weekend and I just wanted to share this with you because I want to help you. Maybe you could sit and listen to this sermon together. Are there people you can sit down with and help them see how good and how essential it is for God's people to be part of the body to be gathering together, to be enjoying the life that God gives us. Well, we're going to look at just a few elements of the beauty of church. Uh, So the first of those that we see in this passage this morning is that everyone belongs. Everyone belongs. Now, a little while ago, I was 
uh, invited by uh, someone to come and watch a Crows game. Uh, they had season passes, so they had the best seats. Uh, we were right behind the goalposts. You know, the few times the ball came close enough, you thought you might be able to catch it. Uh, fantastic. Now, you know, I'd, I'd recently just decided I was a Port supporter, so, you know, felt a little bit conflicted about sitting there. Uh, but after we came in, we sat down thinking, this is great. Uh, some people came and sat next to us, and they're wearing the colours of the other team. They're in their Carlton gear, and they come and they sit right in the middle of the members' stand uh, for the Crows. And they kind of said to me, oh, you know, so, like you could tell they felt like they didn't belong there, like they knew they weren't really supposed to be there. Well, it turned out later in the game that actually they weren't supposed to be there. Their tickets were way up the back somewhere and they'd snuck down. But we all know what it's like at times to be somewhere where you really feel like you don't belong, don't we? We know what it's like to be somewhere we don't feel like we belong. And, you know, sometimes we can feel like that at church, can't we? Sometimes we can look around and think, well, I, look at all these people. You know, I'm, I'm just not quite like them. I don't belong here. You know, and we can look around and especially if you're new at a church, that's, it's a hard time. A lot of people already know each other. People are connected. People are involved. And you can feel like, well, maybe this isn't somewhere I belong. But the beauty of God's church is that every part belongs. Have a look in verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Well, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. It's still part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. Well, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. I mean, think about it, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So we sit in church, we look around and we do think, actually, yeah, people are different to me. But that's the point. We're supposed to be different, and that's just how God wanted it to be. We may all be different, and we are all different, but like a team who are different, who have different skills, who have different roles, yet who are playing on the same side for the same purpose and the same goal, we all belong. And that's just how God has designed it to be. Different but belonging together, needing each other. And so church is not an event that we go to. It's a body that we are part of, that we belong to. We belong to church. We don't go to church on Sundays and occasionally during the week. We belong to church and we express that by gathering together on Sundays and during the week and as we pray for each other and as we check in with each other and we love each other. Everybody belongs. And secondly, everyone is connected. Now I know in Adelaide there's kind of, you know, three degrees of separation 
you know, it's the kind of running joke that somehow everyone's connected in some way to everyone else in Adelaide. Well, in the church, it's like no degrees of separation. Because in the church, we are so intimately connected that we belong to each other as one body. And that means what affects one of us affects all of us. Have a look at verse 25. There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. See, in God's church, we are all connected. And so what affects one of us affects all of us. And so where one of us is rejoicing, we all rejoice. Zoe and Jesse came to Christ. We all celebrated because our family has grown and we love them and we welcome them. Poppy and Catherine and Rebecca were recently born and we all rejoice and we love them and we welcome them as part of our family. When one part celebrates, we all celebrate. But then when one part suffers, we all suffer too. Now, we don't all suffer to the same extent, perhaps, as that person suffering. I mean, what happens if uh, I stick my hand out and you stab me with a knife? You know, you stick the knife right through my hand, it's coming out the other side. My foot doesn't hurt quite as much as my hand does, does it? No, no, the, you know, the, the pain will mostly, predominantly be right here in my hand. But I can tell you pretty soon, uh, you stick a knife through my hand, I'm going to take one look at that. And uh, my feet are going to feel it because I'm going to pass out and uh, my feet are not going to hold my body up any longer. See, when one part suffers, it's not that we suddenly all feel it equally, but it does ripple through. And so when one person in the church suffers, we feel the sting of their sadness and we grieve with them and for them. We pray for them. We see how we can practically care for them. When one part suffers, it affects all of us. And you know, that's true locally in our church, and we know it, don't we? How many times we've grieved together over sad things, the deaths, sickness, sadness. We grieve together. But it's also true of God's church globally. And so when we see brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, North Korea, China, so many parts of the world who are persecuted for their faith or even not for their faith, we see people around who are just suffering. We feel that because we are connected to them in Christ. They're our brothers and sisters. And there's a problem, isn't there, if we don't feel their suffering. There's a problem if as God's body, just on another part of the body, we don't do what we can to help that injured part. And so I want to encourage you that we have the means to be able to help our brothers and sisters in the church throughout the world. We can't fix the problems, but we can help. We must have a concern for each other that leads to action whether that's locally, praying first, 
caring for that person's needs, seeing what practical things we can provide, or globally, doing the same. And it's true too, isn't it, of sin in the body. Sin, if it's left untreated and undealt with, it's a bit like an infected toe. You know, toe might not seem like much, an infection might not seem that bad, but if it's left and it gets bad enough, that can poison your whole body, can't it? It can make your whole body sick. And that's what sin is like in the church when it's undealt with. Sin affects all of us. When one part suffers, we all suffer. Well, everyone belongs, everyone is connected, and the third point is that everyone is indispensable. Now, I want you to imagine that you had a cloning machine, okay? Uh, really quick, you know, you just kind of pop someone in the chute and then out the other side you can just pump out as many clones of that person as you want. Identical clones, you know, set the meter to 200 and you've got 200 Kerrys running around. Now, I want you to imagine with your cloning machine, you're, you're deciding, okay, I'm going to build a church. And you get to pick one person from among us to build the church. And you clone 200 of them. Now you look around, you could pick anyone in this room. Who do you pick? Well, it doesn't really matter who you pick because whoever you clone 200 times and create a church out of, it's going to be a really unhealthy church. It doesn't matter which of us you pick, that's going to be a lousy church, isn't it? It's not going to be a very healthy church. It's going to be a very lopsided church in some areas. And it's true that Church just doesn't work if we were all the same. The God who created our human body, with all its different parts that work together so intricately to do so many amazing things, he also created the body of the church with so many different parts to work together in such an intricate and amazing way to do so many amazing things. See, God has made the church just the way he wants it to be. For every part, from the nine-day-old baby to the 99-year-old grandma, to work perfectly together, to be indispensable. Have a look at verse 7. To each one, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means to every Christian in God's church, God's Spirit is in us and works in us for the good of the whole body. Team leaders lead teams and organise rosters. The setup team comes and brings the trailer and makes sure we've got chairs to sit on and rooms to, to, to fit in. Our welcome team starts the welcoming process and makes sure we comply with the COVID regulations. Our readers read, our prayers lead us in prayer. Our service leaders help us respond to God's word. Our preacher unpacks the word. Our band leads us singing in great truths. Our audiovisual team makes sure that we can see and hear what's going on. And our question askers ask the questions that the rest of us are too scared to put our hands up and ask. 
Our kids and our youth teams partner with parents in discipling our kids. Our catering team prepares food and drink so that it lubricates conversation and fellowship and relationships. Our growth group leaders lead us as we invest deeply in each other so that we can grow in our love for each other and our love for Christ. Our older women disciple the younger women. The older men disciple the younger men. The kids then grow into adults who then become leaders and prayers and readers and all these things and who then minister to the older generations in time to come. Each one of us prays for each other. Each one of us cares for each other. Each one of us work hard to show hospitality, to welcome newcomers, to speak the truth in love and build each other up and to encourage each other just by our commitment and presence in being here together to encourage one another. See, everyone is indispensable. We need each other. We can't survive on our own. And we can't fulfil the purpose and be the body that Christ has designed us to be without every single one of us. That's beautiful. And I keep seeing more and more just that church is so much deeper and richer under the surface. You know, Paul says here that there are the kind of the flashier looking parts that you see, you see on the surface, you know, you're, you're preachers and your singers and your service leaders and you're upfront people. But there's so much more going on behind the scenes, isn't there? There are so many layers underneath. You know, you've got the mouth, you've got the ears, you've got the eyes. That's no good if you don't have a heart or a liver or a kidney. Hey, even an appendix, I'm sure we'll figure out what that's there for one day. Every part is indispensable. Have a look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, hey, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the bodies that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Now, I'm always seeing new examples. Just this week, uh, I found out that there's a member of our church who doesn't have a computer, and yet someone else in our church each week prints the newsletter and takes it around to their house so they can read it. I've heard so many occasions of people babysitting for other mums so that they can be free to go to growth group or be free to go and do the shopping or go to the doctor or do whatever they need to do. I know of people who read the Bible together, people who mentor people, people who employ people so they have work and, and can eat and live and pay rent. 
I know of people who chop firewood for people, of people who buy groceries for people and prepare meals for people. I know of people who pray for people in this church. There are so many things that we don't see under the surface. But if you start pulling them away, you start removing body parts, you realise pretty quickly that we all need each other. Every part belongs. Every part is connected and every part is indispensable. Now, I don't know if you've ever pulled something apart uh, and you've sort of spread out all the pieces and you've started to put it back together and then you've found a part left over and you look at it and go, oh, is that important? Oh, no, it probably doesn't really matter. Let's see how we go. And then that one part means that the whole thing doesn't work. I mean, I've had to throw out heaps of things just because I've pulled them apart and not been able to put them back together properly. See, you might feel indispensable. Maybe you feel like it wouldn't make a difference if you weren't part of God's church. Maybe you feel like you're not really connected. Maybe you feel like you don't really belong. But the truth is, you are indispensable. You are connected through Christ to Christ's body. You do belong. I want to encourage you that if you're feeling like that, there are some ways that you can have a deeper experience of church. Particularly if you're someone who maybe you're newer or maybe you've been sort of hanging around the edges, holding back a little bit. I want to encourage you that there are some things you can do to have a deeper experience of what it means to be part of this church that you belong to. Arrive early. Be here to say hello to people as they come in the door. Have more time for relationships. Hang around late. Stick around and and just make it a goal each week just to have one conversation with one person you haven't had a conversation with before. Or pick one or two people that you can pray with afterwards. Say, hey, look, this passage really affected me this morning in this way and how about you? Why don't we pray together that God, God's word will change us this week? If you sit in the same patch at church... Do you know the people around you? Start with a smile and a g'day. Get to know the people in your patch. Maybe every now and then move to a different patch and get to know some people in a different part of the, you know, part of the building. We are creatures of habit, aren't we? Invite people to catch up for a coffee or a meal. And maybe you could fill out a response slip and ask about joining a serving team and a growth group. Or about coming to our Belong course to get a better look under the hood. There are ways that we can feel our connectedness in a more tangible way. Everyone belongs. Everyone is connected. Everyone is indispensable. We need each other. Well, to finish up, I'm going to ask you to do something. You might feel uncomfortable, but that's okay. I want you to look around. 
are actually looking around. Turn around. I want you to look from the left to the right, to the front, to the back. Look at the people around you. Look at each other. Smile. Don't stare at each other. <laughs> Smile, nod, say good day. This is your church. This is our church. These are our people. We belong to each other. We need each other. We are connected to each other. And we can't do without each other. Let's commit to being God's people who love and belong and care for each other like a body should.